You're listening to audio from Gospel Light Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or support our ministry, please visit gospellight.sg. Now, today let's very quickly run through what GLCC is all about. <clears throat> Quick review. <clears throat> all right. GLCC is an ex-church for today. What's an ex-church for today? Ex-church is a church that is in the book of Acts, and a church in the book of Acts is declaring about Jesus Christ who died and rose from the dead. It's about Jesus Christ who came as a savior to the world and the wonderful news spread from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world at a rapid speed. The church multiplied. That's what this church should be, right? Not a typical church for today, an ex-church for today. Now, how do we do that? How do we become this church that is excited about Jesus Christ, what he did for us? We have to lead generations into a life-changing relationship. How do we do that? We do that by sharing the amazing gospel, the good news that Jesus came. He had one mission to die for our sins. He paid the penalty. He said, it is finished. He rose from the dead to prove it. And you know what? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This world is full of problems, endless problems. But we have an endless internal future in a new heaven and a new earth that will make all these things a light affliction for a moment. If you don't have that eternal hope, life is tough. You don't have the eternal hope, life is hopeless, right? So we thank God that we can give this good news that will change lives. When people really receive Jesus as Savior, something will happen in their life. It happened to me 42 years ago, and it has continued to work a transformation in my life. It's life-changing. It's not a religion we practice outside. It is something that happens that changes our lives. Now, how do we go about to achieve this? Tell people about Jesus, who he is, what he did on the cross for us, right? What he achieved for us. They should know that, that good news. There's no good news in this world, honestly. Every good news is for a moment, for a term, for a period, and then it's bad news after that. <clears throat> but there is a good news. Then after they know Jesus, help them to grow by discipling them, by your life, by encouragement, by the word of God, and then afterwards let them go and tell this life-changing message to the world. Right? So that's what Gospel Light is all about. Now, everyone, most of us would know Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it's often called the Great Commission. You know, that's a horrible word. It just confuses, it blurs what it really is. For us, what's the word commission? I am, am I a military uh, officer? I'm commissioned? You know, I'm not a military officer. You know, for most of us, the word commission is not for me. Oh, commission of inquiry. Well, that's for the big guys up there. The word commission means nothing to you and me. The reality is this word is a great commandment. Why is it called great? Because it's for everybody, everyone who's a Christian. Everyone who's tasted what Jesus did in their life, as I did 42 years ago, we have a commandment after that, and that is to go and make disciples, all right? We go and tell people. Let them know about Jesus. Let them grow and let them go, all right? That's all there is. That's a one commandment. There are many different commandments for different people. There's one great commandment for every believer, and that is to make disciples. Are you obeying the commandment? Right? Are you doing this? It's a command from God. It's a command from the one who saved us. Great commission, whatever that is. Great commandment. Then you have to obey. Right? And that's what it really is. Now, GLCC must be a missional church, not a missionary sending church. What's the difference? <clears throat> missionary sending means some churches, they have this guy, you know, sort of serious guy, then we train him in a mission school, and then off we send him to some country to serve in missions. Ah, I don't have to go. He goes on our behalf. You know, every church has a couple of missionaries that carry the load for them and 
take the conscience from them, so to speak. They do the job for them. That's a missionary sending church. That's not bad. This is better than some churches do nothing, not even one or two. But God doesn't want us to be a missionary sending church. God wants us to be a missional church. What is a missional church? That everybody is on a mission. This life is not to eat, sleep, and then die. Pigs do that. But at least they're useful to become bacon after that. You and I, we eat, sleep, die, become what? Rotten meat. Is that our life? For many Christians, or many people, that's their life. No mission. Just a lousy pig. But God wants every one of us to make this life count. Life has to have meaning. Life has to have significance. Not eat and sleep and die, right? So God has given us a mission to do something significant that changes lives for people for eternity. What job is like that? I don't know. I used to be a doctor. You cure somebody, and after that, you see his funeral, uh, what do you call it, obituary. <coughs> wow, you work so hard to save this guy, and then becomes rotten meat again. <coughs> for what? <coughs> but if I just share the gospel, I know this guy, whosoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but have everlasting life. New heaven, new earth for eternity. I'm going to see that guy I led to the Lord. I'm going to be his buddy and he's going to say, thanks, PC, for sharing the good news to me. <clears throat> wow. Simple mission, impactful mission, eternal mission. Are you on a mission? That's what we want this church to be. Everybody to be missional. Wherever God puts you, share the good news. The world has nothing but lousy news. <clears throat> Every day you open your whatever, I don't know, was elections last night. Malaysian elections. Everybody asks me, do you read that? For what? Who cares? Right? Sorry to the Malaysians here. <laughs> right, that's your problem, right? <laughs> but there is some good news in the midst of this. Anwar Mahathir, I don't know who these fellows are. I can't even pronounce their name. And I don't care. But there is a Jesus. Why are we talking about Anwar? Are you talking about Anwar? <laughs> All right, so let's be a missional church. Everybody on a mission. Make life significant. Make life meaningful. Every time you do something, for what? For how long, right? Ask yourself. And we have a mission, and the mission is not only a mission, it's a commandment, all right? Let's do it, okay? Now, you saw two, two underlined words, huh? Missional church, that's what we want to be. That's Pastor Jason's job. He's supposed to make you guys missional, right? The second job is my job. I send missionaries out. I got the easy job, right? Pastor Jason has 1,000 over people to work on. I only got 149, <clears throat> right? Because my job is to send missionaries out, okay? And that's what we, are, we have in the church at the latest count, 149 missionaries sent out from this church, trained by this church, and serving in the various countries, right? <clears throat> now, what is traditional missions? When I say missions, everybody has a different concept, but most people have this concept of missions. Typically, a mission methodology or strategy is you look for a zealous believer, say, the guy, come, you want to serve God? And then I train you how to serve God. So I train a believer by, by teaching missionary methods. Either I do it or we send to some missionary school or Bible school. And then afterwards, when the guys graduated, we say, hmm, you're pretty good with Cambodians. You're good with kids, so we send you to Cambodia, you know? Oh, you're pretty good with this, so we send you here, right? So, oh, you look like an Arab, we send you here, okay? So, we then decide where's the best place to send this fellow, all right? Hopefully, he doesn't become uh, a victim there, right? <clears throat> then, after that, you support the guy. You make sure he's got enough to eat, he doesn't get into problems, got visa to come back, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you continue to support. Some churches skip one and two, they jump to three. They don't train, they don't send, they just support missionaries that they hear on the field, you know? Maybe every now and then, a missionary passes by, and they say, come, come speak in my church, and then he comes and speaks, and then they feel, ah, 
His support is not enough. We pump in another 200 bucks a month. And then they say, that's my missionary. A lot of churches do that. That's not bad. At least you support somebody better than nothing. All right, so they jump to stage three. Huh? Other missionaries to support other missionaries. Then after that, you supo- supervise the missionary. That's my job. Tell him what to do. And so pretend that we know. Actually, we don't know what's happening in the field, right? The, the truth is, how do I know what's happening in Kyrgyzstan or Afghanistan? I don't know, but at least I know some principles. We try to do our job. And then once a year, typically, we gather a few people. Hey, you want to go to Afghanistan? Yeah, 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 yeah I want to go. My mother allowed me to go. And then we all go. We're all excited with a video, take pictures, and then come back and tell people what we did on our mission trip. Huh? Let me tell you, most times you're a problem to the local field. Oh, they worry about your safety. They worry about how hotel you live. Got hot water, no hot water. Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi. And then you go there, you jump, jump a little bit, give a few presents and mission trip. Typically, that's missions. Right? And we were doing all that for years. Everybody does it. Do it. Okay? Now, over time... So maybe I'll run you through. Wear your seatbelts. We're going to run really fast on the trip. 40 years of GLCC missions in 40 minutes, all right? So you're going to run through. One of the first things we did was find a very exotic tribe called the Akka, right? Some of you will remember, all the old, old fellows. Wow, these people dress very funny, and then they grow opium, you know? So you feel sentimental. Then we went there. We did work with the mission, with Akka. And then, you know, we found a lot of kids couldn't go to school. We started a home. The home's still there. Is to run by our uh, Thai partners, right? So that's quite typical of what people consider mission. Actually, this is more mercy ministry than missions, you know? Nothing wrong with mercy. Christians must have mercy. But this is not exactly missions because these same 30 kids will be there every year you go back, right? They just get taller every year, right? You know? You're not really like spreading the gospel to the whole world. No, it's just a mercy mission. Don't confuse it, right? Mercy is good. But tonight, but today, we're talking about missions, all right? So we have a Myanmar home. We do that. We have a home in Cambodia and so on and so on. We still have them. There are ministries we do. And I think it's good. Some of us need to exercise the ministry of mercy. <clears throat> now, after that, I move on from Thailand and all these places. Then we did Philippines. We do a lot of work in the Philippines. I've been there for many years, for over 40 years. And Philippines is a wonderful country. Everybody speaks English to some extent. And it's a Christian country. You can preach the gospel openly because there's no resistance of any kind. And I always say a Filipino is only half a step away from heaven. Half a step. They know everything. They know the Bible is God's word. They know Jesus died on the cross. They know just about everything. (laughs) Except they didn't know that Jesus said, it is finished. When he died for their sins, he paid for all their sins. That part they didn't know. They thought Jesus did something for them. But then the church has to do the rest for them, or they have to do the rest. So they saw Jesus said, it is almost finished. (laughs) You do the rest. (laughs) The Catholic church will do the rest, right? But that's not it. So the average Filipino is almost there. And so we did a lot of work in the Philippines, very open work. And example, this is quite classic. A lot of you have been there. We had every, before COVID, every year we gather young gospelitis. Let's go for an e-campaign, all right? E-campaign is not elections. It is evangelism campaign. And then we go there, gather a whole school. You know, Filipinos are just wonderful people, hospitable. The whole school in the field, and you just preach your heart out. And then our young people uh, would then go out and into the classrooms and sort of focus on those who have made a decision, you know? So that was going on for years and years. And that's part of student SMCI, student Mission for Christ International, all right? That's run by Pastor Mike, one of our, our evangelists, all right? So, Philippines, wonderful place. So, this is what we were doing for years pre-COVID. Indonesia. I've got six Indonesian pastors here. Can you all stand up, please, brothers? These are my six Indonesian. They're here for training. <laughs> Thank you. Please be seated. In fact, one of this is one of their churches. KKPI Parambulan, kan? Yes, all right. So I would go every Friday for almost 10 years, every Friday. 
Uh, so, eh, Singapore Miran, Friday night, I say goodbye to my wife, and every Monday or Tuesday, I go home. Every week, I'll go to a different church. The churches are large there. There are, you know, a lot of people, and I get a chance to preach the gospel. Now, these are pastors here. Now, they come from a tribe called the Batak tribe. The Batak tribe is the largest tribe in, uh, in Indonesia that is Christian. But over the years, 150 years since the gospel was brought to Indonesia, many of them have become Christians by name. Just like some of you here are Christians by name because your grandfather was a Christian, your grandmother was a Christian. I'm a Christian, right? But many of them have never personally received Jesus as their Savior like many of you. Like many of you. Like me before. I was born in a Christian family had many, many church leaders in my family. Everywhere I walk around, why are you Christian? Why is it you need to ask me, uh, what am I? Christian. What kind of Christian? Methodist. <coughs> All right? Big church, the richest church in Singapore, you know? And anybody question my salvation, one this, right? I believe I was a Christian all my life until I was 33 years old. And then, not, a, not an evangelist shared with me, one day I opened the Bible out of pure boredom. And I turned to John because it sounds familiar. <clears throat> Sunday school boy, right? <clears throat> and John 3.16 sounds even more familiar. And I look at John 3.16. And I read, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 33, 42 years ago, right there, the Bible opened in front of me, I said, God gave whosoever believes. Have you ever believed? You went to church, you went to Sunday school, you did all the stuff. Have you ever personally received Jesus as your saviour? When someone gives, you must receive, right? For God so loved the world, he gave. That's his job. What's our job? When someone gives you a Christmas present this Christmas, someone gives you a Christmas present, what must you do? Receive. What's so hard to answer, right? If someone gives you a vaccine, what must you do? Give your arm. Someone gives you food later, what must you do? Receive. You don't receive the food, it's no use to you. The vaccine is no use. The Singapore government can tolong you, so you don't want a vaccine. What can they do, right? When God gave a gift, did I receive? My answer that day, April 1980, was I never received. I thought I was born a Christian. That day in April 1980, I received Jesus as my Savior. My life changed completely. Life changing relationship. Too much details to go in, but some of you have heard my testimony before, all right? So, when I go to churches like this, I just preach the gospel. That's all, right? Because, you know, what's our job? What's the name of our church? Gospel? Light. What's light? Clear. Many people know the gospel, but it's not clear. In fact, if I do a survey today, and ask, tell me the gospel. Most people will, uh, 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 uh. here, in gospel light church. What about not so gospel light church? Most people cannot tell you the gospel in one line. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. This is the gospel. For Christ died for you according to the scriptures, and Christ was buried and rose again for you according to the scriptures. And John 3.16 says, Whosoever believes that will not perish but have everlasting life. It's not about whether you went to church, whether what's on your IC, or your ID, or your Indonesia we say KTP, or whatever. Right? Have you received Jesus? Have you believed you're a rotten sinner doomed for hell? Because God's seen everything. Don't fake me. Don't fake God. God knows everything in this heart, this head, this tongue. And all I can say is, God, I'm a sinner. You know everything. But thank you for Jesus Christ who paid for my sins. Jesus came on a mission. 
one mission, to go on that cross and pay the penalty for us and declare it is finished. And then prove it three days later by rising from the dead. That's the gospel, all right? So that's all I do in Indonesia for 10 years. Our organization there is called Gospel Light for Indonesia. Churches are big, much bigger than us, all right? Last week, a church came here for training. Their membership is six over a million members. I told him, you are twice the size of Singapore, you know? Singapore population of Singaporeans is only about three million, you know? But how many know the gospel? How many know the gospel here? I don't know. I hope it's better than non-gospel light. So after I preached there for a while, I got a bit tired, and I only have one mouth. I can go to one church at a time. I, I uh, train up other evangelists who do the job. One of them is going to share a testimony with you today. All right? So now, that was what we do. Then later we moved to more exciting countries, which we are in now, but I can only show you pictures of one because he will never go back to that country. He can't. All right? We, have, we had two missionaries for a while in Afghanistan, and I can show you because there's absolutely no way he's going to go back. And he was in Afghanistan until the fall uh, to the Taliban, and then through much hassle, we managed to get him out, and now he's back home in his home country. All right? So we have worked now in these types of countries, which I think are amazing because refugees are amazing. You may not know it, but one of our biggest work right now, I can't tell you where it is, is with refugees in a part of the world that where most refugees are, and number of internally displaced people, in other words, for refugees, is about 50 to 80 million, and growing by the day, all right? People sitting in the camp, doing nothing, homes destroyed, waiting for what? Future, zero. <laughs> we got good news. So our role now is to look for countries like this where in darkness the light shines the brightest. Okay? So for obvious reasons, we won't mention them. Then we have a training center in the Philippines, Central Park. Uh, three of them. Can the people from GDC please stand up? Yep, three of them. They're here for a digital conference. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> These are people who have trained here. This is a place, a facility we train people, and uh, basically young lives uh, who want to serve God, they go to this place. We train them up to do missions, either home missions, domestic missions, or abroad. We train hundreds of people through this center, all right? And then next center, these are just the traditional stuff we do. The exciting stuff comes in part two, all right? The next one is a center we're going to open in Indonesia, which is... Uh, <clears throat> which is going to be run by a lady. In a moment, I'm going to call her up, not yet. And she's here too. This will be starting in January the 9th. We, we open this. And we'll be training Indonesian pastors to be more effective in preaching the gospel clearly. Don't forget, huh? 90% of Indonesia is not Christian. 10% is. And 90% need to hear the good news. And Indonesia is an amazing country far more open and open to sharing the gospel than almost any country I know of, all right? Contrary to what you people think, all right? Now, there's another training center. We've got Philippines, we've got Indonesia. Where's this training center? No prizes. You don't want to give it a go? Where's this? Right here, absolutely, all right? This church is a training center, right? The six people that stood up just now came here for training. They'll be here for 10 days. They come from a large denomination, maybe 1 million members, 400,000 members, okay? So they're here for training for 10 days with us. And then another group came yesterday. Uh, this is a Bible school for ladies, training lady workers for the churches, a large Bible school in Indonesia, they came for training. And another group came also for training uh, all in last week, all right? And this group is the largest denomination in Asia with 6 million members. The bishop's the guy in the center, and so on and so on. These are their key 
leaders. So they come here, basically, we have nothing to offer them. They're bigger than us, they're more established, they're 150 years old, but we are gospel light, all right? And we focus on telling people how to share the gospel as clearly, as effectively as possible, all right? So that's our goal. And that, so training centers are critical, but a lot of this costs money, it's a lot of work, having people coming, they fly on their own cost, but still, we have to entertain them, feed them, etc. Right? Now, this centre is going to open in January. I'm going to ask the lady who I've trained for 10 years, who is going to run the centre, come up and share a little bit about how the Lord led her. Her name is Christine Diaz, and she's here in Singapore just for a few days to help me do the training for the Indonesians. <clears throat> Thank you, PC. Good morning, brother, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You look so sad. <laughs> my name is Christine, and I am a Filipino missionary in Indonesia for almost 10 years. I am happily, joyfully serving there. I am the director of Pastors International Club Indonesia, and also soon to be the director of Asia Pacific Institute of International Studies in Indonesia chapter, where we will train thousands of pastors and candidate pastors to empower them for kingdom growth in the 21st century. I sincerely believe that we, as God's children, believe and always excited in three things. Our salvation, our sanctification, and the Great Commission. I was born in a very small village, an island in the Philippines, in an underprivileged family, or poor family. We literally live from hand to mouth, and I was unthankful and happy. I hated my life. I despised poverty. And I thought, well, I'm going to die and repeat the history, just like my parents, you know, going to die in a small village, feeling useless. But one day, the amazing, radical change in my life happened. The time when someone shared to me that there is an eternal hope that only can be found in one person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That very day, my life, my mind, and my heart was changed. Being born in a poor family, you know, you only have one goal and priority. And what is that? To feed your stomach. Your goal is to survive from day to day. You don't think that you will thrive the next day. It's not on our mind. It was not on my mind. When I met Jesus, my priority was changed. Before, I existed to survive, to feed my stomach. But that day, when I received Jesus in my heart as my personal Lord and Savior and put my perfect faith in Him, my priority was to make God happy, to make my life count for Christ. And that is to obey and to share the gospel, the gospel that changed my life and I truly believe that will change other people's lives. The gospel that gave me hope will be the same gospel who make other people hopeful. After I put my faith in Jesus in 2013, God sent me to Indonesia. Amazing. I was a very young believer during that time, struggling, you know, learning the Bible by myself. But I answered God's call because I wanted to show my love to God, to just to go and share the gospel. Because at the end of my life, I know that I'm going to stand before God and be accountable 
of my life. What did I do with my life? And so I went to Indonesia. The longer I stay in Indonesia, the more I fall in love with Indonesians, particularly you Batak people. There's so much love and compassion in my heart that all I want to do when I see these people is to share the love of Christ that it is finished. Christ died for you, your past, present, and future sins. And when you put your faith in him, you will have eternal life. That's all what I want to do. And I thank God for that. And I want you, the six of you, to remember that this is our mission in Indonesia. I live by this. I live with one dream right now. To give my life to God by serving these Batak people, the pastors and intern pastors. And one day, these Batak people with more or less 8 million in population in Indonesia will bring the gospel to the 17,000 islands reaching out the 250 million Indonesians. We can do that. You, Batak people, can do that. This mission is long. I know that. Pastor Paul knows that. And amazingly, God, this year, has led me to apply for a permanent resident visa. Thankfully, after six months, God has approved it. It did not finish there. After seeking God's leading in my life, God told me again, Christine, I want you to live and die with the Batak people. Whoa. Lord, I don't know what to do. But I ask you to only empower me by your spirit. And so God told me, you revoke your Filipino citizenship and become an Indonesian. Because this mission is long. This mission cannot be won by short-term missions or transient missionaries. You should be planted and die in this land, in the midst of these people. I prayed for months, and thankfully, my parents, although they are not believers, I'm the first Christian in my family, even up to this time, God touched the heart of my parents, and my parents gave their consent. And Pastor Paul also gave his consent. Although many Christians told me, Christine, you are crazy. Very crazy. And I said, I don't care. My life is not as precious as the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And so I am willing to live with you and die Let's work together for Jesus Christ. So church, this is our mission. And I urge you to pray for me as we go forth and reach this heavenly cause for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you and God bless you. Well, remember Christine in prayer. She will be running this center. And uh, we take in our first batch in January. It's pastors coming in. They will stay with us for, I think, like two months. We train them up, and then the next batch will come in, and the next batch will come in. And we hope that it will be then a movement of evangelists, not just pastors who are happy with the four walls of the church, not members like this who are happy with the four walls of the church, but realize the four walls of the church is where we are encouraged, where we grow so we can go. All right, and it's not about us just staying here. All right, so having said all that, now let me tell you all that was traditional missions. We did that in the early part, and that's good missions, but there's something even more exciting. 
Now, if you study mission statistics, missions, people will tell you 30% of the world is Christian today. They'll tell you that. That's a lie. That's a horrible lie. Every mission statistic will tell you 30% of the world are Christians. What they mean is 30% of the world are Christianized. <clears throat> right? Like America, you know, everybody's a John, Mark, Matthew, their names are all biblical names, right? But you ask them, what's the gospel? No idea. Most of Europe, no idea. Right? Not to mention most of churches in the world, even in Asia, no idea. Yes, 30% of the world is Christianized. But actually, people who have truly believed Jesus as their Savior, actually personally trusted Jesus as their Savior, my guess is less than 1%. This is after 2,000 years of mission effort, 1% of the world can clearly tell you the gospel. Not, I'm not, whether they trust or don't trust, I don't know. That's between them and God. But to just tell you the gospel about 1%. What happened to the 99? After 2,000 years, we can't tell them a simple message. Is this one line long? You're a sinner. Christ died for your sins. He rose from the dead. And if you believe on him, you will have everlasting life. Can you remember that? Yet only 1% of the world can say that. After 2,000 years. It's very depressing for me. Then I read this verse. I've read it hundreds of times, but during COVID, this verse spoke to me. Just like John 3.16 spoke to me after 33 years. Heard it, heard it, heard it, but it didn't pop up. And this gospel, good news of God's kingdom, the kingdom we are going to go to, this new heaven, new earth, which we are going to walk on better than Florida now, is going to be a new Florida, right? We're going to be there. This kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a witness testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. Wow. You mean 2,000 years, 1% only have heard this clearly? Only 1% after 2,000 years, and near the end, all will have heard this testimony. All nations. Wow. Now, for you and me, I don't know about you, for me, we're pretty near the end. Nobody can predict the exact date. I don't pretend I know the exact date. But the Bible does tell us about things near the end. Whether you look at climate change, whether you look at earthquakes, whether you look at famines, you look at pestilences, whether you look at family breakdown, whether you look at all the problems of the world, it is definitely accelerating. <clears throat> and the last days are an acceleration of these things. And to me, we're pretty much near the last days. If we're not at 11.59 on the world clock, we're pretty much 11 o'clock plus. <clears throat> and you mean that in this last time, the 99% who can't, never really had the gospel proclaimed to them are going to hear it. How is that going to be so? How is that going to be so? You mean for 2,000 years they couldn't do it, and now in this maybe couple of years or decades or even months, I don't know, we're going to do the job? How come? Then I realized a few things. I realized God made things scalable in this generation. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story, right? A bundle of Indonesians, I think, who was in, uh, uh, they were in Indonesia. None of you, uh, right? Only, okay. We had a, about 15 Indone uh, Filipino missionaries in Indonesia. COVID came, they had to go back. So when they went back, of course, they don't know what to do. They, they wanted to serve Indonesia, they kicked back to the Philippines. So what did they do? They used to teach Sunday school to the Indonesian kids in the churches. So I said, why don't you just video your stuff and do a little program? Since you can't be there, you can video yourself and then send the video. So they did it. Then after a few weeks, they tell me, hey, PC, not bad, you know, we got 5,000 views. Oh, not bad. About 5,000 in the internet's peanuts, right? So slowly it went up, went up. Last week I said, before I talk on, to you guys, I said, hey, what's the numbers now? Anybody want to guess how many people have viewed this Sunday school program by a few missionaries? 20 million. Not bad. Amateurs, little studio, 
doing Sunday school, video it, send it out, 20 million views. That's not bad. I said, that's 20 million views. How many views per week? They say, near 1 million every week, watch it. That's not bad for a bunch of amateurs. That's scalable. All right? So I said, you guys, 10 of you in a little studio can reach so many people. This is amazing. Matthew 24, 14. Next word. Then I said to them, what language is it in? English. Oh, help me. Many people don't speak English. <clears throat> Why don't you just dub it into a different language? It's so easy to do it now with technology. And so now, they put it in other languages. I think it's like six or seven languages now. The Arabs have now asked for it. Other countries have asked for it. I said, no problem. Give us a few weeks. We can make the same Sunday school material about Christ and all that, and all the Arabs can watch it. <clears throat> and everybody can watch it. It's scalable. It's transferable. Thank God for technology. Thank God for COVID, right? Because people now got used to these things, right? <clears throat> and then when it's scalable, it's transferable, it's global. You can, in a little organization, impact the world. <clears throat> right? So that's where we are focusing now our energies on. Earlier part was traditional missions. They're expensive. Take a lot of effort renting places, running programs, bringing people here for training, going there to do this, do that. Now it's scalable and transferable. <clears throat> right? So what do we do? <clears throat> Our job now is to start centers. <clears throat> Near Manila, south of Manila, we have a center where we call it a call center. Actually, it's not a big, we do Zoom training people, teaching people, sharing all the time. It's basically a full-time, non-stop center reaching out, missions to the world, all through this little thing, all right? Another part of the Philippines, another center, that's where these guys come from, is another center that we just started. In 360, some of you know our original church building in Dunning Road. It's also a center, and Shu Chen is running it. We call it Digital Missions. Okay, so we realize that now all this work can be scaled up. All right? It can, what a little place can reach the world. All of you can be missionaries anywhere if you want to just spend a little time on your little laptop and teach English to one of the refugees in the many camps we are in. And as you teach them English, openings will open up for you to share the good news with people who have never heard any good news for a long time. All right? And you know, they'll be so open to it. All right. Then we also started something during COVID. I decided instead of flying here, flying there every week, trying to train, exhausting. All right? <clears throat> I'll just start a training for pastors who want, or leaders, who want to learn 21st century ministry. Basically scalable, transferable, global ministry. And then we started this uh, master ministry program two years ago, a year and a half ago, and it has turned out well. We've got a lot of students, and, and next year we hope to get another 2,000 students from most countries in Asia. All right? Very simple. I record all my training. Pastor Jason records his training. Pastor Mike records his training. And then we go in, we have Zoom breakout rooms and, and so on, which is we all do from our, from our bedrooms, literally, right? <clears throat> and we can train people to do 21st century ministry, right? Now, I want to share this in closing. I talk about traditional on-site ministry. I talk about online ministry. I want to close with a hybrid model. Right? And this model, I think, is going to be, consume a lot of my time and energy because it will be the ex-church for today. Now, our goal is ex-church for today, just for DLCC? No. Let me explain it now. Huh? Take back, sit back, relax. I'm going to go a little bit more slowly on this one. Now, there are a lot of poor kids who don't have enough to eat now in countries, all right? Many, many countries. Food prices are going to go up, diesel prices go up, climate change, etc. No need to ask any more questions. Food's going to get more expensive. So right now, we feed about a thousand kids daily, right now, okay? Every day, we have little feeding centers like this, okay? And we go out and feed the kids. Some of you have been there, watch the thing. So every day, we give them one good meal, which may be their only meal for that day. These are stunted kids. They are 
malnourished, they don't have enough uh, just food for the day. <clears throat> and so we go there, and we've been doing this for a while, especially when COVID came, people lost jobs, etc. And so we fed these kids. Then we realized, <clears throat> all right, I have 50 kids in this center, something like this, simple, simple little uh, shed, you know, and the kids come to eat. Wow, they're so happy to eat. Mama is so happy, the dad or mother, usually mothers, siblings will come because, wow, it's a nice, nicer place. It's better than their homes. Many don't go to school because it needs transport to go. They don't have the money. And so the whole day is boring and they come to the feeding center and it's quite a break for them, I would put it that way. And so, but the thing is, after you feed them, you can do a Bible study. I train some of the mothers, I train some of my young workers to share a Bible study with them. So they share a Bible study with them, but after a while you run dry, you don't know what to say anymore, right? I mean, it's not easy to train a lot of workers to do that. Then we decided, oh, why don't we do a hybrid model? <clears throat> Feeding center, the kids come in. The moms come in. The siblings come in. We got them together. Now all we need to do is not just leave it at that, but why don't we just get one little TV with solar power. My solar boys are there, alright? Joma, stand up. Joma is my solar boy, alright? He's going to solar power everything. <clears throat> alright? And a little TV and a solar power, and we have programs which we have developed for Afghans, for Indonesians, for Arab, and we can put the programs on the TV. Now, for them, wow, a nice TV, nice program, decent place, nice people, and not only they get fed, but we can have programs for the kids. Educational programs, we have a, something called Go to Kid Academy, which uh, Jofi, you're part of, can you please stand up? Yeah. She's part of Goju Kid Academy. We, we, we do a curriculum for kids who can't go to school. And so she trains them. And then we can have the kids who can't go to school. Don't worry, you've got school here. And then for moms, we have programs for mothers on nutrition, or, uh, uh, nutrition or hygiene, or how to bring up your kids, and so on and so on. And so now, we don't just have a feeding center. The feeding center is the gathering for the kids, and then after that, it's a community center. Because it, this program is good, this is useful, right? And then slowly, we hope that that community center becomes a community church. Can you give it another name for community church? Acts Church for today. All right? What is that church of Acts? Excited about the gospel. <clears throat> Sharing with one another, praying together, and then sharing the gospel with others. <clears throat> That's an ex church for today. It's not a fancy building, it's not a fancy program. It's about people who heard the good news, whose lives are transformed, who want to share that with others. And so we can have thousands of ex church for today, not only in Pongol 39, Pongol Field Walk, we can have it in every poor village. <clears throat> If there's no pastor, don't worry. There's an internet pastor. <clears throat> you don't have to worry about that. There are hundreds of Singaporeans of gospelitis who don't come to church. They say, don't worry. Pastor Jason is my internet pastor. <clears throat> okay? Now, can this be done? Definitely. Right? So, is it hybrid? Is it traditional? Finally, we come one big circle. Ex church for today. Let's pray that God will help us. Now, I just want to say it's great to be the last lap runner of a relay race. There's a good sprinter here. I don't want to mention his name. But, you know, in, in running, you want to be the last lap runner. I never was a last lap runner. I'm a lousy runner. <clears throat> but it's always the glamour, the, the lap you want to run and hit the tape. <clears throat> Especially you know your team will win. Like. If your team, lousy team, don't be the last lap runner. It's very embarrassing, right? But we are on a winning team. We want to be the last lap runner. Now, this relay race has gone on for 2,000 years, remember? <clears throat> From Jesus to Peter, to Apostle Paul, 
to all the fathers of the faith going down and down. For 2,000 years, the relay baton has been passed to us as we shared the gospel. But I think we're near the end. We're near the finishing line. Amazing to be born at a time when the gospel can be scalable, transferable, global, and I can be a last lap runner of the greatest relay race in the world. I want to be like that guy there. And Jesus says, well done, PC. You ran the real race of life. What a privilege to be born at this time. In the midst of all the complaints about corruption and everything else, thank God for this. Can I add by saying this? There are many good things to do in life. Many. Which we should do. But they're just nice things, good things. Mercy ministries, helping people, all those are good. But there's one that's life and death. It's giving the gospel. You give the gospel. That person who receives that gospel is going to have eternal life. You will see him, I will see him for eternity in the new heaven and new earth. And you know, I would love to be there on that day and say, wow, I didn't do a lot of stuff and waste it all away. Everything you earn in this world, you have to leave behind. <clears throat> naked came I into this world, naked will I return. But everyone you led to the Lord, everyone you disciple who led somebody to the Lord will be there for eternity with you to thank you and not to only mention that God will then reward each of us according to the race we ran, the life and death race. Will you be part of this race? The real race of life, not the rat race of life. You know what's a rat race? Run, run, run and get nowhere. <coughs> All right? Only get older and weaker <coughs> and more pains. The harder you run, the more pains you get. <coughs> That's a rat race. We're not rats nor pigs. We're men given a mission. May God give us this goal to run this race, life and death race, with an eternal reward you will never grasp in your brain at the moment. I'm looking forward. I'm one to run this race. I'm commanded to run this race and I will obey and know that it's not only a command, it's a privilege. May God bless you. Let's ask God to just close us and guide us in this simple message. Lord, thank you for giving us the privilege to have received the good news. Amazing. It changed our lives, many of us, but Lord, we don't want it to end with us. You give us the responsibility to pass it on. And so God, guide us. Make each of us missional. Make each of us looking to pass on this good news to someone. And Lord, to finish this race, this one short life we have on this earth, to look forward to an eternity so amazing. So God, help us. Help Gospel Light to indeed be Gospel Light Christian Church, an Antioch for Asia, a light for Asia. Hear our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.